my goodness, my goodness. I feel his presence. I feel his presence. We've been in a series on the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and man, this is the 11th lesson. The 11th lesson. And um, it's the one the Lord wants to speak to me. How many came to say, Lord, speak to me? There's two of you. How many came and said, Lord, speak to my neighbor? <laughs> well, uh, I believe he's going to speak to you. If you'll be willing to listen, Miss Melissa's gift is intercessory prayer. She says, God, God talks a lot if you're willing to listen. He has a lot to say. He has a lot to say. And um, I believe he wants to do a lot. You know how people sometimes live below their potential in God? I believe sometimes churches do the same thing. You can get a whole bunch of people living below the potential of what God can do in their own house. And not only can a church do that, how many, a whole nation could do that. A whole nation of Israel. They had the promise of God, the law of God, the word of God, the presence of God, right? And the promise of the Lord was, hey, I'm going to send 12 spies into the land. How many know the Lord didn't need to send spies because he didn't know what was happening? I mean, he thinks he's all-knowing. He didn't get amnesia for a minute. Let me see. Let me see. Uh, Joshua, Caleb, uh, I need you to find ten others, leaders of the tribes. There's 12 tribes of Israel. One from each tribe and take them and, and go. Caleb from the tribe of Judah. From the tribe of Judah. Joshua from the tribe of Ephraim. And take them and, and take one from each. and Go in there into the land that I will show you. That, that, that actually says, that I will give to you. I mean, no, that ought to have been enough right there. If the word of the Lord said, I'm going to give it to you, how I many know that ought to have been enough? He's already promised it. I'm going to give it to you. I want you to go possess it. Go check it out. Bring me a report. The testing of the faith of the Israelites many, many times. And many times they failed. Sometimes if you're following a crowd, how many know you can get in trouble? You go go with the majority all the time. How many know the majority's not right all the time? Hello. Just because the majority prevails doesn't mean the majority is right. And this is what young people say all the time. Well, everybody's doing it. And I can just hear my dad now. If everybody's jumping off the bridge, are you going to jump off the bridge? How many's dad said that? Everybody's dad said that, including mine. Probably I gave it to my kids because my dad told me that. There's a bridge somewhere that if you should jump off of if everybody jumps off. Uh, the Tallahassee Bridge. I think. But today I want to talk to you about a, a right spirit. A right spirit. It's the spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit. There is a different spirit about the people of God. Ten went in with a, a wrong spirit. Two came out with the right spirit. Caleb especially. Uh, Moses says, this is my boy, Caleb. So I want to look at uh, Psalm 51 because I'm going to preach that next week. And we'll talk about David's spirit. But I want to read it. If you can go ahead and do it for me, I'll put it, I'll put it away. Uh, so create in me a clean heart, O oh God. David's saying, this is right after his failure. How many know God can use anybody at any time? If you'll humble yourself and repent, how many believe God can restore and renew and reuse? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right 
and steadfast spirit within me. Do not, please God, do not cast me away from your presence. And please, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. And sustain me with a willing spirit. I like that, a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted and returned to you. I'll tell you what. I don't know if I want, want to be a part of the Assembly of God Church in, 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 in the desert. First Assembly of God, Israelites. The ten. The ten. Negative. Pessimistic. No glass at all. Not half full. It's not even, there's no glass at all. The glass is broken. Nothing's happening. It, it's, it's chicken little mentality. Sky is falling. Right? The rapture's coming and nobody's going. How about that church? Well, I'm here to tell you, I don't want to be a part of that church. I want to be about, I want to be about the master's business. I want to be a part of the people like Caleb and Joshua. Saw the same thing, but had a different perspective. What happened? So let's take a look at it. Uh, uh, this is, this is numbers. Surely all the men who have seen my glory and my Miraculous signs, which I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not listened to my voice, God speaking. I will by no means see the land uh, which they will by no means see the land which I swore to give to them, to their fathers. Nor will any who treated me disrespectfully and rejected me see the land. But my servant Caleb, somebody shout Caleb. My servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, wholeheartedly, I will bring into the land into which he entered, uh, and his descendants shall take possession of it. Not only will Caleb be blessed, his, his descendants will be blessed. Next. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. And said, let us go up at once and take possession of it, for we will certainly conquer it. But the men who had, put, uh, who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up uh, and take the land. For these people, these uh, Anakim giants are too big. Uh, listen, I, I can't see it. It's too small. So that's why I'm hesitating. It's, it's all right. Let me turn around. There we go. That's a whole lot better. We're, <laughs> here's what they're saying. We are not, we just sang the song. God is able and he is on our side. This is their song. God's not able. Look what it says. We're not able to go up against the people of Canaan for they are too strong for us. Keep going and I'll look up here. So they gave the Israelite a bad report. The Israelites a bad report about the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we went in, spying it out, is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people that we saw are in it, uh, in it are men of great stature. There we saw Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who are part of the Nephilim, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, perception, and so we were in their sight. Caleb, stop right there. Thank you, brother. Caleb, Caleb's spirit. 
he went against the crowd, did he not? He went against the crowd, and he he had a character that had a different spirit. I believe God is for you. How many believe God's for you? How many believe he's capable and able to do anything? As he already said, what can you add to the word of the Lord? It's already spoken to us. I believe God ordained everybody here to have a destiny. I said, I believe God has a plan for your life. Oh, Pastor Ron, me? I don't really, I'm not much. I'm insignificant. If you're breathing and you have Jesus in your heart, how many believe God has a plan for your life? You're in the kingdom of God. He didn't save you to, to sit on the pew. He saved you for a purpose, right? Say, well, Pastor, uh, I have a bunch of excuses. I'm, I'm too weak. Well, the Lord says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Sorry. That excuse is not going to do you. Say, well, I have a past. Well, don't we all? If you've been living two days, how I many know you do have a past yesterday? You have a past. God says, old things are passed away. Behold, I make all things new. Every excuse you give to God, how I many know he's got an answer for you? And so God sees you. And, and how God sees you is not the problem. It's how you see you. It's your personal perspective. So what do you say? They like, they like, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. We see them as, as giants and we are like, we see ourselves as grasshoppers. It's a grasshopper mindset. It's a grasshopper mindset. It's a grasshopper mentality. It's small thinking. Can I tell you, your God's too big for you to think small. You don't need a grasshopper mentality. You don't need to be afraid of the giants. You need to be pulling in the grapes. They didn't see the grapes. They didn't get the perspective that God needed to. So if you don't have the right perspective, so you ask God to give you a new understanding of how he sees you. You are loved. Did you know that? You are loved. You are chosen. You are, be- you are the beloved of God. He loves you. You came to church. A pastor's here to tell you God loves you. And he told you last week God is for you. I'm not trying to get up here and cheerlead and blow smoke. I believe the word of God. He created you for a purpose, a destiny, and a plan. He's got good things in store for you, Jeremiah said. Not evil things. God's not with a ball and chain waiting to see how hard he's going to make your life miserable. How many believe God has a good plan? He wants to bless you, prosper you. But you have to see it. You are loved. You are blessed. You are favored. You are chosen. Me? I know. I know it's hard to swallow. Nobody ever chose me on the team when I was growing up. They actually chose Sally before they chose me. I mean, that's a little bit insulting because I know I was at least better than Sally. Maybe not. Sally was pretty tough. Yeah, Sally was pretty tough. But it's kind of humbling, and we're always bent on the negative. I mean, it's time to quit allowing everybody else to dictate your identity. It's time for us to rise up and be who God sees us, not who we see us or, or what other people see us. And it's easy to go with the crowd. It's easy. Everybody starts complaining. Boy, you just jump right on there. How many know it's easy to get on the complaining train? Yeah, yeah, train. The wham wham train. The wambulance. But we need a spirit like Caleb's. So I want to talk about Caleb. Caleb, his name means faithful, means devoted, wholehearted, 
He was of the tribe of Judah, like I said. He was a leader, one of the 12 spies. And when they came back, only Caleb and Joshua brought a positive report to Moses. It's amazing. If, if, uh, if we can learn any valuable lessons from Caleb, the first one would be, and you can slide them on up now, he had a different spirit than the crowd around him. If you read Joshua 14, you can come up with some of the, uh, uh, the scriptures that will help you see. It will be better. Let's see if we can read Joshua 14. I have it right here. How many like to read Joshua 14? Well, here it is in my Bible, okay? Verse 24. Uh, here we go. This is what Moses has given to the tribe of Gad, uh, clan by clan. Right? You see this? Uh, I'm, in, I'm in Joshua 14. No, I'm not. Sorry. Here I am. I'm finally here. Just say, Pastor, get it. Get it together, brother. All right, I'm here. Verse 10. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he had kept me alive. This is This is Caleb speaking. Caleb. Just as the Lord has promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he had said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, Caleb says, 85 years old. I'm still strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out into battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites. Uh, were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. What a spirit. Forty years old, Moses told him to go, right? What patience, what endurance, what courage. Forty-five years later, he's telling the Israelites, hey, I was one that was sent out. And you people chose to believe the ten knuckleheads? Why don't you believe this? The reason I have faith is because God already said he was going to give it to us. How hard is it to have faith when God has already spoken? Can I tell somebody here today something? Listen to me. If God said it, how many know it's going to happen? It's going to happen. You don't have to wish it to happen. Hope it happens. Lindsay already said it might happen his way and in his time. But he's still a miracle-working God. He said, I give it to you. Go possess it. Go possess it. So when they got it happened, what happened is they lost perspective because they got their eyes on the wrong thing. Kept seeing all the giants. Can I tell you, giants are inevitable. If you're breathing, you're going to run into a giant. There are all kinds of spirits out there. All kinds of things. And they're all disguising themselves, some even as angel of light. It's not always as it appears. Is anybody listening to me? That little girl might be all that you think she is, but she might not be that. That young man might be all you think he is, but you better look a little closer. It's not always as it appears. You got to get to know him a little bit more. Hey, there's signs of life and there's signs of death. Hello? I can talk to somebody for five minutes and tell you their destiny. Whining and crying and complaining. I can't, I won't, I'll never. I mean, you got to change your your vocabulary. If you're going to have a destiny, you're going to have to change your vocabulary today to match your destiny tomorrow. There's power. Life and death is in the power of your tongue. You can't, you can't have a future destiny filled with hope 
and possess the land when you come back and say there's nothing but giants in the land. We're not able to take the giants. Who does Moses think he is sending us in there anyway? We could have been killed. Bypass the grapes. Grapes as big as your head. Take two men to carry a one, one cluster of grapes. They didn't see the victory. All they saw was defeat. All they saw was pessimistic. No glass at all. Caleb comes back and said, hey. That land flowing with milk and honey. You know why? Because that's what God said it would be. He discovered that what God said was actually so. Boom! My mind is blown. You mean there really is a land flowing with milk and honey? Yeah, but we didn't see any milk or honey. All we saw was giants. All you saw was giants. Really. Well, guess what? There's always giants around the grapes. There's always giants around the grapes. If you're going to get anything for God, you're going to have to fight a giant or two. And you can't fight a giant without a Caleb spirit. Can you say amen to that? He said, however, I followed the Lord. The people gave a bad report, and the hearts of the people melted in fear. It matters what you say. Hey, if you're a leader in this church, it matters what you say. Do you bring faith or do you bring fear? You only have two buckets you can carry at Old Grove. One's filled with water and one's filled with gas. When a fire starts, which one are you going to pour on it? If you pour gas on it, it's going to blow up. If you pour water on it, you'll put it out. I've seen churches filled with people with buckets of gasoline. A little old spark with them. Making mountains out of molehills. How many know that's not God's will? Anybody can criticize. Take somebody with courage to stand up and say, I believe what God said. If God said it, I believe it. Let's go in there. We're, I believe we're able to take those giants. I believe we're able to take them. Because God said he would give it to us. Right? Not because we're able. How many know it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Some of you going through some rough times. I get it. I get it. But Caleb followed the Lord wholeheartedly. We can learn a valuable lesson. He had a different spirit from those around him. He was positive. Secondly, he believed that God's help uh, helps us every time. Every giant that stands in your way can be conquered even when others say it can't. Next slide. He believed a positive report when others chose not to believe. He believed it. I'll take the giant. I'll face it. Remember little David? We'll get to him next week. The whole army was shaking in their little boots at one giant, not a bunch of giants, one Goliath, and even the leader, King Saul, wasn't about to go and stand in front of that. But what was it about David? Why did this puny little red-headed, freckle-faced Israelite Tell you why. Because that giant defied his God. I mean, if you say something about his God, he was going to take this thing seriously and personally. He said, not on my watch. And I imagine, you know, Saul saying, hey, here you go. Put on my armor. It'll help you. I mean, you don't need man's armor. You need God's armor. 
He said, this don't even fit me. It's silly. I'm embarrassed. I can't even, I can't even get my slingshot out and all this stuff is all over me. He reached down, took a stone, and pew, annihilated the giant that was in the way of the whole army. Of the whole army. Then he cut off his head and brought it back and put it in his office. He believed that God could help us against the giants. I don't know what giant you're facing this morning. I really don't. But whatever it is, how many know God is greater? I said, greater is he that is in you than the giant that you're facing this morning. It might be financial. It might be personal. You might be afraid to go into the next school year. Some of the challenges that are in front of you. I mean, oh, God is with you. He's for you. He'll take care of you. He sees you. Amen? He sees you. And he's going to give you spirit that's going to help you through it. Thirdly, not only did he believe a report when everybody else chose not to believe, what courage. He believed that with God's help, every giant stood in his way to be conquered, even when the majority disagreed. It's tough to go at it alone. That's why leaders always say it's lonely at the top. You know why? Because everybody wants to go in the crowd and go along with the crowd. I tell you, as a pastor in the 21st century church, Pastor Mark, it hadn't been easy pastoring in these last few years. Add COVID to the mix and the political upheaval. And the financial crisis. How many of our pastors are quitting? Quitting. Giving up because they choose to believe a negative report. I mean, oh, God's still going to have a church. And the gates of hell still not going to be able to prevail against it. Amen? God's people are the remnant. We'll be here when the Lord comes back. I said, well, this side will be. How about this side? Okay, y'all got me nervous now. I thought I was going to be here by myself. Amen. No, Pastor Bear will be here. He'll lock up. No, I'm teasing, Pastor Bear. You know, you get somebody else. Oh, Tyler, uh, Tyler can lock up. No, we're all going to be on the rapture. And if we build this building and we have a million-dollar debt or half a million-dollar debt, we'll leave it for the Antichrist. Tell the devil to pay that thing off. But I believe God's going to put a victory where you have an obstacle. But you got to see what God sees. you got to believe what God believes. you got to understand if God said it, that's victory. Go in and possess the land that I shall give you. He said it to Joshua too. That's why I believe Joshua was part of the good report. Because he told Joshua, everywhere your feet shall tread, that's the land I'm giving to you. And Joshua was there when Moses. I tell you, if you read on through uh, Joshua 14, Numbers 13, 14. It'll blow your mind what happened to the Israelites. My goodness. First of all, the ten spies, they were annihilated quickly. The others, uh, the others, wow. Only two went into the promised land. Can you imagine? Wandering around 40 years and only two. Everybody over, over uh, died in the wilderness. It's amazing. Uh, God wants to help us to see a vision bigger than the problems around us. What's it going to take? I want to ask the question, a real question. What's it going to take? I mean, some of you are at wit's end. You're limit. You don't know whether you're going to take another step. You don't know where you're going to turn, how it's going to work out. What's it going to take to stop you from the destiny? What's it going to take for you to quit? Because if Satan finds out, he'll put that very thing right in front of you. 
There's a giant with that name on it. Boom. Right in front of me. And if you can't conquer that giant, you're not going to have your blessing. So he, he's already up to uh, the challenge of stopping us. But how many know God's for us and he's not going to allow the enemy to stop us? Amen? And so Caleb's character portrayed a right attitude toward God. He understood the attitude determines your altitude. Your attitude determines your altitude. How far you get to your destiny is determined by your attitude. What are you saying to people? What is your demeanor? Are you always down? Have you ever had a good day? We had a lady in our last church. She's still alive. Bless her heart. She just was bent toward the negative in our last church, not this one. So all the ladies relax. She's still alive, and, and uh, she needed to be confronted, but we didn't have the, uh, we didn't have the uh, what is it, credibility. We didn't have the influence to be able to speak into her. She was bent toward the negative. And every Wednesday she'd come in, how you doing, sister? Oh, bad day. The devil's chasing my husband and I all week. So it sounds like he caught you, really. But we heard that for five years. And one day in the hall, in the uh, foyer, uh, we're greeting her. She comes in, we were greeting her. Hi, sister. Uh, how's your week? Uh, pitiful. Pitiful. I'm thinking, wow. I could have guessed. Why am I keep asking? But anyway, that's what we do. And uh, so Melissa said, you know, sister, we've been here five years, and you, you, see, you say the same negative thing every time you walk into the lobby. She said, I do, Sister Moran? Melissa said, yeah, you do. She said, i got to change that. Melissa said, yeah, you go out. I mean, no, it's nothing. It's not like it just it, it just becomes a part of your personality. It becomes a part of your mindset. You begin to think that way. You begin to live that way. I mean, every day is a bad day. It's like your face changes. Everything's just like, and you never have a good day. If I'm having a good, oh, am I having a good day? Please, please, stop it, stop it. I'm, I'm prone to have bad days. I'm not supposed to be having good days. Can I tell you, I believe God's people ought to be blessed. You ought to walk in with, with, with joy in your heart, spring in your step, Jesus in your soul, smile on your face. I know everything's not perfect. We're not in denial, but I'd rather greet you and tell you that God's for you than to tell you, hey, I hope you find a good soft spot. All the pews are hard. Bring a fan in there. It's hot. You know what I mean? Don't talk to anybody. They're all evil. I mean, there's just this naysaying crowd that always, always sticks together. Can I tell you, birds of a feather flock together. They just do. They do. And I tell you what, I learned real soon that I was not the garbage dump. Because if you want to be the garbage dump, how many know there's always got somebody has garbage? Just stand in the foyer. They'll come and bring it. They'll bring it. Just open your garbage bag. They'll dump all their garbage in there. If you will. But if you don't want them to, just say, nope, I'm not the garbage dump. I'm not the garbage dump. In my house, we have a garbage receptacle. It's neat. It slides out like, mm, it's pretty cool on wheels. And we put all our trash in there, garbage. And before it even gets full, and Melissa puts, I mean, full-blown boxes in there, two boxes, and it's full. Honey, you can't put boxes in the garbage bag. You just put the boxes out there, I'll smash them. No, two boxes fill up a whole bag. 
That's our problem. We're working on it, okay? But anyway, when it gets full, before it gets full, Melissa says, you got to empty the garbage. So I do. As a good husband, I do. I tie it. So the smell good one's hefty. Tie it in a knot. Take it out. We have a receptacle in the garage. Big blue one with wheels on it. Or green, whatever company you choose to give your money to. We open that. We put the garbage in there. And then once a week on Fridays, they changed it recently. I don't even know what day it is anymore. But uh, we open the garage door. We bring it to the end of the street, and that's where the garbage goes. And then the big old truck comes. Are y'all getting this? Is anybody getting this? We actually pay money to get rid of garbage. And so the big truck comes. He, yeah, and he's got these claws. and Boom. Done. And then I walk it back in. It happens every week. You didn't come to church to get a lesson on garbage receptacle removal. But here's the point. You are not the dump. That's the point. If you keep receiving all of this negative talk, it's going to get in you. And then you're going to be the receptacle. Then you're all of a sudden you've got garbage. You smell like garbage. You're giving garbage away. i got too much garbage. You want some of my garbage? And all of a sudden now you're spreading garbage. That's not God's plan for the church. A unified church, a blessed church, a favored church. I wish somebody would help me. At Old Grove, we got rid of a lot of that junk. Guess where it's at? Garbage dump. You see the big truck? He goes out to the landfill, and that's where it is. You ever wonder why grass is growing so well over there? I can't tell you that. Anyway, it takes courage to stand in the face of adversity and negative reports and say, God is for us. Say, well, they don't do this. I wish they did that. I wish they sang my song. I had one guy Easter Sunday, he said, uh, Pastor, walking down the hall on the way out here many years ago, Pastor, we didn't sing any hymn. I said, yes, we did. Yes, we did. We sang Amazing Grace. He said, I know, but it's Easter, and we didn't sing up from the grave he arose. Well, my Lord. He said, y'all remember him, Brother Gunn. Brother Gunn. At that time, I wanted to shoot him with a gun, but I didn't. He was a godly man and a good man. And I said, Brother Gunn, we sang Amazing Grace. He said, yeah, but we didn't sing up from the grave he rose, and it's Easter. And he said, I'm leaving the church. And we're walking down the road right by my office. I said, Brother Gunn, you're too old to leave the church. I mean, you're 90-something. Who's going to bury you? Nobody even going to know you over there. You, I'll sing it tomorrow. I'll sing it to you personally. Just don't leave the church. How I many know people can get crossways real easy over nothing? And if you feed into that, it's like a feeding frenzy. I wish somebody was helping me. I don't know who this is for, but I'm feeling good about it. (laughs) When the crowd was more willing to oppose God's will than the church. I said that the crowd out there is opposing the will of God in here. If you start catering to the crowd out there and that comes in here, I mean, we're going to be in trouble. Then the pastor is really going to be preaching alone and everybody believing something different. And all your Facebook posts. You can't hide it, friends, because it's all over your Facebook posts. You think it's private, but it's not private. Everybody's seeing your stuff. And a lot of it's stupidity. You should stay out of politics. we got people who left our church over some of your nonsense. 
Who left? Well, look around. Who's here? You think what you say don't matter? Well, I'm right. Yeah. You're right, and the church is empty. How about that? You're right. You don't know. Can I tell you up front and right now, some of the ideas and, and, the, uh, and, and the thoughts uh, of people who come to our church that's on the web or on the, on the social media are not necessarily what Oak Grove believes. So don't judge the whole church by somebody's post. Is anybody getting that? That's Pastoral Ministries 101. Pastor, you keep on preaching. This is not the place. We're trying to win people to God, not run them out. So you can be right and very lonely. So it takes courage. It takes faith. Caleb had faith. It caused him to try to motivate the people to go up and possess the land. You know how hard it is to motivate God's people to possess what's already theirs? The church lives below their potential already. Satan beats them up all week long. Certainly we don't want to bring you in here and beat you up. I mean, you've already been beat up. We're not here to bring you down. I mean, no, we're here to lift you up. But if somebody's beating you down all week, if you're hanging around a bunch of chickens instead of soaring with the tur- with the you know, with the eagles, you're hanging around with the turkeys. I said, instead of soaring with the eagles, you're hanging with the turkeys. And now you're plucking and you're walking and you're looking like a chicken and a turkey. When you should be soaring like an eagle. I said, how many know God's church ought to be soaring? Like eagles, not chipping and perching around like a turkey. Turkeys are so vulnerable. Only went turkey hunting one time in my life with Chris Forrester, and now I can't hear out of my right off my ear. He had faith. He had courage. He had vision. It caused him to look past all the obstacles and hindrances uh, that were before him, regardless of how big and how powerful they may seem to him, because he knew God was bigger than any obstacle. And uh, he had dedication, caused him to stand for and believe in the promise of God, even when the entire nation of Israel wanted to stone him. They wanted to stone him. Let me tell you where we're going as a church, as a, as a people. You keep believing the righteousness and the word of God, you're going to be alienated. Right now they already call it, what do you call that? Cancel you? Next they're going to alienate you. You'll be all by yourself. Listen to me. The day is coming when you stand up for Jesus, you'll stand alone. Right now, you just barely say Jesus, and you're already separated. Just say Jesus. You can say God. You can say spiritual authority. You can say any spiritual thing, but it's filled with darkness. How many know you say Jesus is filled with light? Jesus is the separator. How many know he's the one that separates darkness from the light? Just say his name, and the enemy begins to flee. Devils will bow. Whenever the demons came and said, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. Who in the world are you? I mean, no, the devil already knows who Jesus is. He knows the word of God as well. So the dedication in the middle of them stoning him, like Stephen, said, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Lord. He never allowed age or any other circumstances to deter him from the vision. He had non-conforming spirit. A Caleb spirit caused him to be different, to have another spirit than everybody else around him. I'm not talking about a, a, a holier than thou spirit. I'm not talking about I'm right and holy and you're wrong and not holy. 
I'm talking about standing up for righteousness and the word of the Lord. Amen? Non-conforming. It, it's, it takes a mind to be renewed like that. Because just as that uh, conforming your mind to that negative spirit, negative termites, it'll eat the wood of the church right away. But it takes, uh, it takes the spirit of God to renew your mind. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit in me. Me. Me, not everybody else, just me, right? Then if it starts with you, it may, it may go out. Because just as it conforms uh, and, and, and it goes out to other people, that DNA of, of complaining spreads. So does the DNA of, of, of faith. It spreads as well. Amen? And passion caused him to trust God wholeheartedly. His perspective caused him to see things differently. His position caused him to believe that God would give him the victory. His talk was different than everybody else's talk. He spoke life. He didn't speak death. He spoke victory, not defeat. He had a different perspective. Next slide. Let's see what else we got so that all the optimistic people can get ready to go home. He was willing to wait 45 years to see the fulfillment. He said, I heard this when I was 40. I'm 45, and I still have the same power, strength that God gave me when I was 40. So let me speak to the 85-year-olds. How many here are 85? Okay, one. Well, let me speak to you, sister. Keep on keeping on. I mean, oh, God can give you the strength of this 85-year-old and give me this mountain. Let me. And what I love, in fact, that sister is a, is a, is a great example of somebody who sees a younger generation and embraces them instead of deterring them from being a part of the there's some generation of older people who say, ah, these young people, we don't want them. Uh-uh. I mean, Old Grove embraced the young generation. We embraced the younger generation. And guess what Pastor did? Pastor Ron didn't kick out the old to get the young. Thank God, amen? We'd be broke as a joke. That's just, just telling you the truth. My goodness. We have a millennial generation don't even want to go to work. Can you imagine supporting a church and building a building program? Help us, Lord. There's more job openings you can shake a stick at. Spirit of courage, stand. Spirit of faith in the promise. Spirit of endurance, made it through 40 years of wilderness. Spirit of faithfulness. And a continuing spirit, he passed on that heritage to another generation. We need a we need a different spirit. And in this series on the Holy Spirit, I thought I would just stop to tell you, we need a spirit like Caleb and Joshua. Give me this mountain. Chrissy, you and Taylor can come with your team. We need a spirit that says faith in my God is bigger than the giants around me. I said God is bigger. Anybody watch Veggie Tales? No? Yeah? God is bigger than the boogeyman. Bigger than Godzilla and the monsters on TV. No? Go home and watch it. You would be blessed. We need the spirit of hope that says, my God has a promise and I will get to my destination. We need a spirit of love that says, I'm not going to speak a word that defeats the church. I'm going to speak a word that lifts up the church. Come on, you can give God praise. That's a powerful word. That's a powerful word. God is for us.
It doesn't take any old idiot can knock the church down. Say, Pastor, is anything going on? No. You know why nothing's going on in Oak Grove? Because we preach messages like this. It's called preventive maintenance. I'll find you, and I will bless you. Maybe you've been standing on the Word of God for your finances and healing or family or anything else, and you haven't seen manifestation. There might be very good reason. The love of God is unconditional, but His promises are not. You have to ask. The Lord already said that this morning. Would you stand with me this morning? Say, Pastor, I'm in a spiritual stalemate. I need, I need a firm grip on the Word of God. I need to revisit the fact that God is for me. He loves me as a plan for me, a destiny. I want you to see your dreams come to pass. I want your family to be blessed. I hope if you're looking for a church, Oak Grove would be a great place for you to spend time. I see some students that are back. Cassie, good to see you all. Welcome home. Come on, welcome some of our students back. Some new families are moving into town. This is uh, uh, one of the largest crowds we've had in a while because it, it seems like an upkick. This is about the beginning of the upkick. We made it through the summer. And everybody's been everywhere, but school's coming in, we're settling down. Here's what I want you to do, Oak Grove. If you can't say something good, don't say anything. If you can say something good, say it. Don't make it up. Don't make it up. Say it. And I want you to smile at new families and welcome them in. They're looking for a church. You know why people go to bar rooms and drink beer? Because they find somebody to listen to them. There's more close-knit fellowship around the bar than there is in the church. How I many know there's a problem with that? The old, listen, Oak Grove ought to be a place where anybody can talk to anybody about anything. Where you can come in and find a friend, find an altar, make a relationship, and talk about Jesus. I hope you come to grow you. Starting next month, grow you. We're going to talk about the life of Jesus. We're going to talk about Jesus. And I tell you, in all of my studies, in all the ministry, in all of my teaching and preaching, I've never taught anything greater than Jesus. Come on, give him praise. He's worthy. It's worth talking about. We're going to spend an hour every Wednesday night talking about Jesus, his birth. I don't want to get into it because we'll go another hour here and you're ready to go home. I just wanted to talk to you today. I just kind of, I just wanted to talk to you today about a spirit, a spirit that can get a hold of you. There's all kinds of spirit. There's Judah spirits, Absalom spirits, spirit of denial, spirit of betrayal, all kinds of spirits, jealousy spirits, and all kinds of uh, complaining spirits, greedy spirits. How many of the Holy Spirit's the one we're looking for? I want you to lift your hand to the Lord and say, Father. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Sing it with us again.